My name is Jamin Gerker. My mission is to help people to build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate in South Central Alaska. And this pod chat, podcast exists to answer the questions of those who are thinking about answering the call and moving to Alaska. Here you will find the answers to your questions and hear authentic stories shared by Alaskans living on the last frontier. Today, we have a very special guest. She is a resident of Kodiak in Alaska. She's a top-notch real estate agent with Keller Williams, who has taught classes to agents across the country on how to leverage technology to build their businesses. Five years ago, she moved back to living full-time in her hometown of Kodiak Island, where she works as a real estate agent and also as a virtual aide at the Kodiak Island Borough School District. Kodiak Island, for those of you who don't know, has just over 3,600 square miles, has just about 70 miles worth of roads. Uh, Kodiak, the town itself, has about 6,000 residents in it, so small town, with roughly 3,500 Kodiak bears sharing that island with you, making it a bear density of about 0.7 bears per mile, so lots of bears. So even by Alaska standards, it's, it's a challenging location to get to, and for that reason, remains fascinating even to those of us who live up here. So without further ado, please welcome Katrina Denton, who is here to answer your Kodiak questions. Um, thanks, Damon. I'm excited to be here and uh, to let people know a little bit more about Kodiak. Hey, I'm really glad to glad to have you here. Honestly, I'm so excited just to ask a lot of these questions myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for the answers too here. All right. Well, let's go and just jump into this then. So, you know, Kodiak has a really kind of interesting history and we kind of, you know, talked about your, your family a little bit and how you guys you know, definitely have a, a history there as well. Um, can you start off by maybe just giving us a, a very brief, maybe history of the, the Kodiak Island and your family's history with it as well? I think, um, so Kodiak has been inhabited for thousands of years by the Aleutic people. Um, quite some time ago, the government put a um, Navy base here and a lot of people moved here because of the Navy base. And um, a lot of people moved up here because the commercial fishing um, industry is, that's probably one of our bigger industries. Um, Kodiak, um, a lot of the fish, a lot of the salmon that people consume comes out of Kodiak. Um, a lot of crab comes through here. And um, now we have the Coast Guard base here, which is, well, I think, the biggest employer on the island. Um, we have a lot of people that move here, move here with the Coast Guard now. Um, there's still a Navy base as well. Um, they train the Navy SEALs up here for cold weather exercises. And I think a lot of people also move here just kind of to get away. We have normal jobs here too. There's a hospital, there's restaurants, there's stores. Um, so a lot of people like to just come out here and it's a simpler life, kind of like going back in time is the best I can describe it um, compared to the hustle and bustle of living in what I call civilization. Um, I think it appeals to people because of those reasons. But um, over time, it, the population now, we have a bigger population now than when I was a child. And um, I think the population here it's pretty stable. We have a lot of people leave every year with the Coast Guard, and then we have new people come in, and um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place to live. Yeah. So sounds like a fairly transitory population. It stays stable, but you do get a, a fair number of, um, I want to say, old-timers. People are there like a little bit more permanently, and then you get you know military folks and maybe some fishermen that kind of cycle in and out, too. It's that that about yeah right? <laughs> and we have a lot of really big families here like people that came here and settled here and had their raise their kids here and then their kids raise their kids here and I'm not even sure how many cousins I have here um, <laughs> because all these big families and um, it's just a really cool community that has grown over the since I my lifetime at least it's really been cool to watch it grow yeah that's awesome so when you say big families are we talking like you know, five, 10 kids in a family, or 
Are we saying like just the whole families just kind of stayed there and just the extended family is really big? Uh, both. So okay. I'm second of nine children. That sounds um, about right. Okay. <laughs> my grand my grandparents had five kids. Each of them had a bunch of kids. Um, and then a lot of the other families, like they just grow and grow and grow and grow over time. And so everybody just treats everybody like family pretty much here, um, which is really cool. Yeah, because I mean, it it is an island. So you, I guess you kind of have to have that mentality. <laughs> yeah, we all have to stick together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I know that that culture definitely is, I've seen it here in Alaska, where if something does happen, I mean, there's there's definitely a culture, everyone's just going to kind of band together to, um, to take care of whatever issue it is. So I imagine the the further out you get, and the more remote you get, the probably the the more pronounced that. Yeah, that that's one of, that's actually one of my favorite parts about living here is that if, if something happens here, we all band together and help each other um, in a way that is not the same, like up in Anchorage or even in the states. Um, I think the way that we care about each other is different, um, just because. You can't really be rude here to people. Um, there's like one shop, one grocery store, <laughs> one Walmart. There's one, like one of every store. And so you have to be nice so you can go back into places. And then the churches up here are all, they work together. And um, it just feels really like a close-knit community. Um what I really love about it is I see the same people at church as I do at school, as I do when I go to the doctor's office or when I go to Safeway, it's all the same people. And so we're able to develop different kinds of friendships that are not so superficial. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing about living here is that my kids get to experience that. And that's, it's a way that I grew up to, um, to just really care about everybody that's around us and to know that we're cared about also. Yeah. You know, that actually really does remind me of um, kind of a small town I grew up in and for a number of years in Hardin, Montana. And, you know, small, small town. Our biggest claim to fame is we're about 20 minutes away from Custer's last stand. Oh, wow. um, Yeah. That that was our biggest claim to fame, but it was such a small town where if you didn't wave at somebody as you were going by, you were going to hear about it later. Like that's 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 just kind of small town mentality. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, going to the grocery store is often a a longer thing than just running in and grabbing milk and coming out because you run into five or six people that you have to say hi to. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can believe it. I can believe it. All right. So what, I guess, what initially brought your family to, to Kodiak Island to um, begin with? My grandparents were missionaries and they were in Vienna, Austria. And they answered a call to come to Kodiak. And my grandpa was the pastor at our church for just, I think, just a year or so. But they were missionaries, and that's what brought them here. Um, And then they liked it, and they stayed and raised their family here. And then that's how I got here. (laughs) Okay. Well, that, that does check out then. Um, so they were missionaries and, you know, what else did they do while they were, while they were up there? So my grandpa started a sawmill here. Um, he started a lumber mill. He built a bunch of houses. And then as my father and his siblings grew up, they all got into construction and into fishing. Our family has a set net site. We have several boats that are like, um, Bristol Bay, they fish in Bristol Bay and out of Kodiak too. Um, They have a tender, which is a boat that collects fish from smaller boats so that they don't have to go all the way back to town to deliver their fish. They just deliver it out to this big boat out in the ocean. And then that big boat takes the fish to the cannery. Um, That really makes sense. And for people who might not be as as a fish savvy as us, can you explain to them what what a set net is? So a set net site is they have a, a parcel of land that is really remote from Kodiak. I mean, it's on Kodiak, but it's remote, remote, like a two-hour boat right away. 
and they have like a skiff and it takes the net out. The fish swim through it and then they pull the line back in and get the fish. I think it's the simplest I can explain that, but it's fishing from land with a small boat that takes the net out. Um, whereas the other boats, they have, they're bigger and they have a net and then they make a circle and like a purse and they pull the fish up into a salmon seine. That's the bigger boat. And then those boats deliver fish to a salmon tender, which takes the fish to the cannery. <laughs> gotcha. So it sounds like you probably did a lot of fishing growing up, huh? Yes. Um, <laughs> as a child, I spent most of my time on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> when I wasn't in school, I was on a boat. <laughs> um, oh, that's but awesome. But great it's- childhood. Great childhood. Yeah. Is, is that pretty much just normal in Kodiak? If you're there, you're probably going to spend a fair amount of time with uh, working on I the think boats. <laughs> for, the family, for the fishing families here in Kodiak, families like mine, yeah. We uh, grow up on, on the water pretty much. Um, it's a completely different way of life. I think when, when I was 12 and we moved up to Anchorage, it, I always say the analogy of like, it was like Pippi Longstocking going to dry land and going, what? <laughs> and just all the new things um, that I hadn't seen before. Um, I still, that's very vivid in my mind. The first time I got to go up to the mainland and just how many things you guys have up there that we just don't have here. Um, yeah. When but, the, so, you know, born in Kodiak. So when was the first time that you had the chance to, go to the big city and uh, I'm saying that relatively slightly sarcastically, but the big city in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, there were trips when I was a small kid, but I don't really remember the most when, when I was 12, my family moved up to Anchorage and then we moved out to Wasilla and I, that's very vivid memories for me. Um, just seeing everything, um, the first time I saw a Walmart, the first time I saw a real movie theater, a big movie, you know, a big movie theater or a big restaurant or a highway, a real highway with more than one lane each way. Um, I still remember seeing like buses, like city buses for the first time and going, what, what is that? And, um, just all everything that is in civilization. Um, when I was a child, this was all dirt roads and forest and not at all comparable at all to, um, what Anchorage is and Anchorage is a big city. (laughs) Um, I think I come up and I visit quite often and, um, it's always takes me a day or two to adjust to the hustle and bustle, the noise of it. It's very quiet here comparatively. (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine because, because yeah, you folks, you've got the the cruise ships that come in, and yeah, that's I imagine that uh, that's pretty exciting. I remember being in Huna, Alaska, for a little bit. And you got the cruise ship in. I mean, the whole town is planning for it. It's just like seeing a a football team getting ready for the big game when the tourist ship gets to town. <laughs> Yeah, so those tourist ships come from all over, and they our downtown is really reliant on that. Um, we have a lot of like gift shops and that kind of stuff. We have museums and all kinds of things for people to come and see um, when they come off those cruise ships. And I think that it's a really cool destination for them to feature because it's not this tropical paradise that you would think like I'm going to go to the Bahamas or something. It's a completely different experience when you go on an Alaska cruise. Um, and I think even in Southeast, I think that's more, um, it's not as wild as here, (laughs) I guess is how to say that. Um, I think here is a little bit more, the further out you get, right. The more nature is, just uninterrupted um, compared to like a port that's visited more. Yeah. One thing I've noticed about the the more remote and I hate using the term off the grid because it gets way the heck (laughs) overused when we're talking about Alaska, but 
The thing I do like about kind of these places that are a little further out there is you really come to appreciate the default setting for for land out there is wild until somebody yeah. does a lot of work to make it otherwise. That's, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. But, um, okay, well, we're getting, let's, let's get back on track here a little bit. So, so you, you, um, you know, left when you were around 12 and, uh, what was some of your, maybe some of your favorite childhood memories of Kodiak when you were growing up there? I think my favorite, my favorite memories are running around in the woods with my cousins. We would just go outside and play and run around, go to the beach and there was always, you know, a pack of 20 kids running around. Um, and just, I think that's some of my favorite memories. My other favorite memories are going to be um, out on the boat with my dad and my uncles. And um, just all the stuff that I got to see that most people will never get to see. Um, all the wildlife that we would see. Um, it's really cool. I think... I've seen more otters and sea lions and eagles. And I think um, I know all these animals. And I think that um, that was a really cool part of growing up. I also really, really enjoyed when I was a kid, how close our community is and how I always felt safe here. Sounds like it was a pretty good childhood. <laughs> yeah, the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So with the the wildlife then, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the case in Alaska and Kodiak. I imagine it's it's times 10 that. Um I guess when you're out to sea like you see a ton of wildlife out there. Um how many like types of whales do you see out there? Cuz I I feel like belugas are kind of like the trash whale that we kind of <laughs> see a lot in Alaska. Uh, we do see a fair amount of, of killer whales too. Um, yeah, I guess. we see a lot of killer whales. And then just from my deck all summer, I can look out at the bay and see gray whales that hang out out there. I can just whale watch from my deck, um, which is really cool. I think out on the ocean, it's fun because you have porpoises that'll follow your boat. They're kind of like a dolphin, I guess. You don't know what, not familiar with a porpoise. Um, otters i love seeing the otters and the puffins these little birds that fly all around and it's just really cool um the way it all works together um i really think that it's something you have to see to really understand <laughs> right and i i think there's something really beautiful about seeing all these animals in the wild because I, yeah. I feel like most people, they can see a lot of this stuff in a, um, you know, in a SeaWorld or a zoo somewhere. But there's, there's not a whole lot of substitutes for stepping out onto the boat and seeing a killer whale like 20 feet right away there. in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty Make cool. an eye contact with one. You're not going to, you're probably not going to um, get a whole lot of substitutes for that. <laughs> no. And when you're out on a little boat in a big whale is right there. It's a little bit um, adrenaline-inducing, I'd say, is the word for it, um, because they are pretty big whales, the the fin whales that we see out there. It's pretty cool. As, uh, did you ever have any almost capsize the boat? No. <laughs> Thankfully, no. <laughs> uh, my friends and I kayak on the ocean in the summertime, and we've seen whales, and we just paddle fast, get to shore. <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> yeah, just just don't be an internet sensation. That's not what we're trying yeah. to find today. <laughs> Back to shore, <laughs> real quick. Not trying to go viral here. <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's see here. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty awesome childhood to me. So left around around twelve, moved to Anchorage, moved to the Matsu Valley, which is in South Central Alaska. Um, that's going to be more on the on the mainland. Uh, what was, I guess, the the hardest adjustment for you moving to Anchorage in the Matsu Valley after having your formative years in Kodiak? Um, I think for me, the hardest thing was just not being here. Um, I think every day I want, just wanted to come back here because I had such a strong connection here. 
with everybody and um, that everybody was a stranger. That was a hard thing. Um, another hard part was like the, the amount of space in between things was really odd to me. I, I live most of my life within one square mile. Um, and so the amount of time it took for, to get to school or to get to the store or anywhere was just wild to me in my child mind. Um, I think that was a really big part of it. And then just all these things I'd never heard of and that everyone else just knew. Um, and it was a learning curve. Definitely. Um, nobody else knew anything about otters, but they all knew everything about living in civilization, I guess. The best <laughs> <way to put> <laughs> it. <laughs> so it was definitely an interesting time, um, adjusting to life up there. And then when we moved into Anchorage, when I was, I, I, we only spent a couple years out in the Valley, um, and moving into Anchorage and just getting used to, you know, when you go to the store and there's strange there's people you haven't met, um, and then there's strange people. Um, <laughs> I think that, that to me was the biggest adjustment was just getting used to like a different lifestyle. I think faster lifestyle here. We're really laid back, um, comparatively. And I know even in Anchorage, that's a lot more laid back than say, like when I lived in Austin, that was really like, go, go, go. Uh, so it's just one more step down on the relax. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I visited Hawaii a little bit ago and I was talking with some natives up there and they have what they call island time. Yeah. Everything is so <laughs> laid back. And I mean, I've, I've heard it's, it's so frustrating if you're trying to like get a project done there because, you know, the people might show up when they said they were going to, or they might not. You know, it's island time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very prompt with my appointments, like when I'm selling real estate and things like that, because I was, you know, the first 10 years of my career up in a city in Anchorage. Um, not everyone here has that same idea about how things should be. And so if you're going to meet someone, it could be within a half hour or an hour. It's fine. No problem. Um, and that's something that sometimes people, when they move here, I find it frustrated with, um, is that everybody seems to be in slow motion and I just tell them you'll get there. <laughs> it's like, just, just embrace it. Let it yeah. happen. You'll be okay. <laughs> be okay. We'll get everything done at the end of the day. Everything gets done. Oh, that's the important thing. You literally yeah. have all day during the summertime. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. All right. So let's see here. After being a successful real estate in in Anchorage in the Matsu Valley, you know, and um, working as um, an instructor for Keller Williams Realty International, going around coaching people how to use internet and technology to leverage their their businesses. Um, I understand you lived in. You kind of alluded to it, but to Austin, Texas, and mm -hmm. was it straight? from there that you decided to just move back to the, back to the hometown? Yeah. So I kind of burned out. I was doing a lot and it was a lot for me to be living in Texas um, with my kids and everything. Um, and just my kids didn't want to live down there. They wanted to live here. So we came back here and it was a very hard adjustment to make because um, we had gotten used to, like city life. And so coming back here, I think I used to be a lot more anxious. I think I was, um, a lot just go, go, go. And always chasing like the impossible. Um, and I love a challenge. I'm not saying that, that I don't love a challenge or that, um, I wanted to live a smaller life, but I definitely wanted more time with my kids. I definitely wanted my kids to feel, um, to feel like they're part of a community and we didn't really have that um, anywhere else that we lived um, as much as when we live here, but just because of the amount of people we're related to here and the amount of people that we're friends with here um, growing up here, I think a lot of people just stay here. And so my friends that I have, I've been friends with since I was a little, little kid, but it was a challenge to slow down 
um, a little bit and just kind of appreciate things, I think is what, like the lesson I've learned in moving back here is that I'm very, very fortunate um, to have the community that I have here. And see, that's, that's fascinating because I don't think most people really appreciate really kind of the power and bond you form when it's such a small community. Um, yeah. You know, majority of people, they're going to be in, you know, moderate um, to large cities. And I don't think it's really until you live in that smaller community where you really start appreciating just those yeah. bonds that you start forming with, with other people. Um, it's not, you know, me versus everyone at that point, it becomes more of a we kind of a thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, we do meal trains here. We have um, so many community events together. Like it's, it's just a completely different experience than living in a big city or even in a smaller city like Anchorage. Um, I think that there's a reward to it that it is kind of impossible. It's intangible. Um, to ex it's not something that's easily explained, but we really care about each other here and my kids feel cared about. And that's, what's important. I think um, as far as them, as when they're growing up and the kind of people that I'd like them to be um, when they're adults. And so that decision to move back here was really based around my children and what was going to be best for them. Got it. Well, sounds like a great mo reason to move back. <laughs> Now is the, is the culture, is that uh, that cultural bond, is that going to be, or community bond, is that going to be the same, be, like from Kodiak to like all the different like towns around Kodiak as well? Is that pretty, pretty standard or? I think the smaller you go, like into the villages, those people are all family to each other. Um, I think the smaller you go, the, the stronger the bonds are. And I think the smaller of a town you go, the more you have to rely on each other and the more hats everyone has to wear to make everything work. So I work um, for the school district and I work as a realtor and I have to wear two different hats because there ha there's not a population here where everybody can just do one thing. Um, and one thing wouldn't keep me busy. <laughs> so... And I think the smaller you go, the more you see of that, of people with, with um, multiple um, skill sets. And they all have to work together to make um, living out here possible. Got it. And that would probably be another, I guess, cultural distinction for a lot of people to make. This uh, probably is not going to be the place where you can go find a nine-to-five job doing something just be a cog in a wheel no you're uh you're a part of the community and essentially we're recruiting for a team right now and <laughs> basically that kind of sounds like it and you've got to be very multi uh, willing to adapt to anything yeah. that comes along and we certainly have people that work nine to five jobs but it's um a lot of people that do more than one thing and then the volunteer opportunities are endless here um to to spend time doing things and helping other people, I think is another important part to include in that. Wow, outstanding. Now, one question I did have, with Kodiak being a smaller community, <clears throat> we haven't really touched on it before um, just yet, but um, how has Kodiak been doing during the, the COVID pandemic? Um, so we didn't really have too much <laughs> by way of cases until a couple weeks ago. And then it shot up. The numbers just shot up really fast. It seems like overnight. We're just over right. three. And the, um, and the recording of this is about uh, December 11th, 2020. So. Yeah. So we have about a, a little over 300 cases, which I know doesn't sound like a big number to a lot of people in parts of the country that have been hit really hard. But when you look at that we have a very small population um, and the case count being over 300. And at basically right now, everybody in town is a close contact of a close contact because we all have to work together to be able to live out here. Um, we can't just 
um, not go to work or not do our jobs um, here. And a lot of people um, have gotten really sick, um, but we've been fortunate. We've only had a few deaths. And um, right now we are finally in the red level for the first time this last week. Um, up until then, we were able to keep this under control, but now it's, I think they're saying like the extreme risk. So we're trying to stay in our houses and still get stuff done um, and just be very careful not to um, go out more than necessary and not to overwhelm our hospital because our hospital is not like the hospital in Anchorage. It's a much smaller facility. Um, and when people get sick, sometimes they have to be flown up to Anchorage. Right. And that, that is, you know, a really good point that it's when you're in such a small community, I mean, it's, it's great because it's a powerful thing. And also it can be vulnerable to, to things like pandemics that are, that are going through at the same time, because I know a lot of um, villages on the interior of Alaska were very, very strict about who was going to be allowed in and who was not. And I was talking to some folks and they said the reason for that is everyone who's there now are the descendants of the survivors from the Spanish flu back in the 1920s. Yes. And people remember this. Yeah. They, they, that's still a very recent memory for, for a lot of people. And it, it, just decimated any of those smaller communities. So yeah, because we all have to interact with each other. It's not the same. It's not the same as other places. Um, and so what ends up happening is that it spreads here in a way that is really scary. <laughs> um, but we're just starting to see this. So I'm hoping that everyone will stay inside for a couple weeks and not travel because that's how it got here is trap people traveling. Um, and that's the scary part of it because we have to have travel. We have to go to Anchorage for medical care. We have to go to Anchorage for a lot of different reasons. Um, so we couldn't shut down travel, but that's definitely how it got here. And now that it's here, it's going to, it's going to, um, spread in the community. Um, got it. Well, it's definitely a, um, you know, definitely a quandary that, you know, every other community is, is having to, to um, navigate at the same time. So I definitely, definitely understand where you guys are coming from because yeah. Alaska is such a big tourism destination too. And it's, it's kind of a tough thing where you, you know, one hand you want the tourists to still be here because that's such a huge part of our economy. But on the other hand, could be bringing them virus with them at the same time. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of a wicked catch 22. <laughs> <Got Yeah. in. laughs> we want everyone to come visit next year when this is over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and double of y'all come. Okay. Bring the whole family, bring the extended family. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a great place to visit. Um, I think that's one of the sad things about this, how this has been impacted is we didn't get our cruise ships in like we did normally do. And that really impacted a lot of our businesses that are built around tourism. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. So I know like Seward and, you know, Whittier, all these other communities that rely on those cruise ships. I mean, it's, it's devastating. You can absorb it a little bit better in places like Anchorage, but even then you're talking to the folks running the Airbnbs and, hotels and all this other stuff and the hospitality industry and it's yeah well i'll be i'll be interviewing an economist about that so we'll save that for a future discussion (laughs) (laughs) but let's uh let's let's move on here so how i guess do alaska or how do people from kodiak view other alaskans um me personally i would probably assume kodiak Kodiakians? Is that the <laughs> conjugation for that? I'm not sure. That? I'm not sure. I just say I'm from Kodiak. Okay. Um, so I would assume that people from Kodiak would assume other people from Alaska are soft, but <laughs> I didn't, you know, I don't think that way. Um, I would call it civilized. <laughs> That's what I call it. Like the people up there in, in the mainland, in the bigger cities. 
Um, I would, I call that civilization. And then we live out here, but I don't think that it makes them softer because I know that it's a hard life. No matter where you live in, in Alaska, there's challenges. Um, I think you have to be somebody of good character and somebody who wants to work to be successful in Alaska. Um, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of, um, mentally just being strong to even live up here in Alaska because we don't have a lot of the things that um, people in the lower 48 have. Um, I think life's a little bit easier in Anchorage probably um, than it is out here just because logistically we have a lot a, a lot of challenges out here as far as like getting food out here, getting um, affordable housing. Um, just affordable anything is really difficult here. Um, our prices are much higher than on the mainland. Um, but I don't think we look at people in Anchorage like they're not as good as us or something like that. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just a different way of life. Um, I think that different values, I think people value different things. Um, nobody here is real flashy. You know, nobody here is real concerned about, oh gosh, like when I lived in Anchorage, I'd go tanning, I'd get my nails done, I wore high heels, um, I always had my hair done, um, and here I can just be me, <laughs> I think. As one, of the, one of the ways that I notice like that women are different in Anchorage compared to here, there's always this competition for fashion and things like that, and I just don't see that here. Um, another one is that the people in Anchorage and in the Matsu Valley, I think have different, um, it's much colder up there in the winter time, much colder. So I think they have a, a different challenge up there as far as staying warm here. We, it gets chilly, but it doesn't get like cold, cold. We don't get snow to the extent, like I don't own a snow shovel. <laughs> What? No, and then it rains, and then it's gone. So it snowed the other day, it rained today. Now the snow's gone. Um, so is it a, a climate kind of like Seattle? Maybe a colder version of that? Yeah. Is that what we should? Yeah. Be? Okay. A little bit colder than Seattle, but pretty similar. It rains here a lot. <laughs> okay. I think that's one thing people come and they visit on the sunny days in the summer, and they think that that's how we. And I say, oh gosh, it rains all winter. <laughs> 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 all kinds of rain and wind. It's very, very windy here. Um, just because we're getting that cur that current from the Gulf um, coming up here. So a little bit different challenges, but I think we respect other people's challenges and we just realize they're a little bit different than ours. Got it. Okay. So how cold does it get there? Because I mean, up here in Anchorage, I kind of consider us like Alaska light in that we've only get like negative 10, like for a couple months, whereas Fairbanks is over here rolling up with like negative, like 30, 40 degrees on yeah. the regular. <laughs> if we get down to like the twenties, that's a very cold day here. So we, we typically are warmer because we have that current that comes up and gives us wind, but it's typically warmer. I think, um, like today, and we're in December, and right now we're at 41 degrees in the middle of December. So it's not um, it's not as cold as Anchorage. That was one thing when I was up on, when I was up on the mainland when I visit there in the winter time. It's always so cold, and I go, "How did I live up there for so long?" <laughs> because this down here is nice. Um, it's a lot more mild as far as that goes. Um, but we do get more rain. We get the most rain. It just rains all the time. And if you hate the rain, this is not the place. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mind the rain because I was raised here and it just seems normal to me that it rains every day. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, the uh, your first Texas torrent must have been, um, or first Texas downfall must have been um, an experience, huh? <laughs> Oh, so we don't get flash floods like that. That the first I remember in Texas the first time it rained the flash flood and like the streets filled up with water and I said this is crazy. We just get rain all the time. 
so it doesn't flood like that i guess is it's a little bit different um yeah i lived in heat yeah i lived in um in texas myself for over gosh well over a decade and yeah that's actually something that i miss about texas is just having those those flash floods and like the quick heavy rain coming out of nowhere and the lightning storms because I think Alaska gets like five lightning strikes like a year for the entire state. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty rare that you see it. So. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool part about when I lived in Texas. The the watching the lightning was always pretty cool. That's awesome. I don't think we get that here at all. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> you're not going to see a lightning strike, and you're only ever going to see a tornado if you're watching a movie or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, resident now of Kodiak, uh, let's say, you know, it's Friday evening. What do people in Kodiak do for fun if, if you're a local? So, I think, like, for normally, I'm not talking about right now during this COVID Um but normally we have several nice restaurants and so we can go, you know, out to dinner. We do have a movie theater. Um, it's small. It's one theater. It's, it's a pretty cool experience. Um, I think for somebody not from here to go to our movie theater, I think is always, they're always interesting when visitors come and they go, what? (laughs) Um, I think going for a drive out the road, um, having a bonfire on the beach or in our yard, we have a fire pit. Um, we'll have friends and family come over and have barbecues. Uh, we go on hikes. We hike a lot. Hike mount- We have a lot of mountains with nice trails. And um, we hike a lot in the summer. Um, I kayak out on the ocean in the summer. I think there's a lot to be done here, but it's not the kind of activity that you necessarily have to pay for or that you're not being entertained by something like you're actually doing something, um, which I think is really cool about Kodiak that there are so many things to go do um, unless it's raining, which is most of the time, but going for a nice long drive out the road um, I think is, is a good way to unwind here. Got it. Yeah, no, that's pretty outdoor oriented and that's, that's kind of Alaska in general too. (laughs) I've noticed. (laughs) Oh, fishing. I didn't even mention fishing. Everybody loves fishing in our rivers. That's, that's one thing, Um, especially in the summer and in the fall. I think that's, that's where you'll find a lot of people in the summertime. It's out on our rivers fishing. Uh, that also sounds about right. How big are the the salmon you guys catch out of there? So we get, oh, I can't even remember how many species. We have silver salmon, pink salmon, red salmon, and king salmon. So we have the really, really big fish that come out. And then um, if you go out on a boat, you can get um, halibut, which are really big fish. Um, people get those kind of fish they, um, all summer long. They go out there in just a little boat just for fun and go out there and get their halibut fish. Um, I don't know if people know. They get up to like 700 pounds. They're huge. And um, I think that's one thing. All of our animals are just really big here. It's They've all developed over time because we're out on this island. And um, they're all really unique. Like our bears are bigger. Our fish are bigger. Everything is. It's pretty great. <laughs> Well, that's about as good of a segue as I can get because I've been dying to ask about the bears the entire time. So, Kodiak bears, um, how big are they? <laughs> and, like, do you have, like, any, have you had, like, any run-ins with them? Like, So, um, the bears can be up to 1,500 pounds, which is, like, and 10 feet tall. Um, We've had where a bear came and ripped the bed off of our truck last winter. Um, that was fun. Wake up in the morning and it had cracked the frame on the truck and everything. Did they um, not hibernate? No. Oh, <laughs> so, shoot. <laughs> no. <laughs> All winter. They're out here. Um, and we had 
for a while they had like roll carts the way for garbage. Um, and the bears just look at those as little lunch boxes. And so it caused a lot of the bears to come into town that were pre, you know, not living in town before. And so over the last couple of years, I think they've gotten rid of the roll carts on most of the streets and people, we have dumpsters that are bear proof, but still they garbage and it, causes them to stay awake all winter and to be around town all winter. Um, and so we have like a special um, group on Facebook that's just always where the bears are. So if you're going to go for a hike, you, you check that page. Um, <laughs> if you're going to go, <laughs> if you have your kids go play outside, you check the page and make sure, okay, that guy's not out there on our street right now. Um, and I like, I know the smell of a bear. So I can go out on my porch and say, oh, there's a bear in the neighborhood because um, they do not smell nice at all. <laughs> uh, whenever people there's can... like some evolution that goes with that, too. Like as a human, <laughs> you're just adapting <laughs> a better sense of smell for them. <laughs> there's been nights where I'm out on my I go out on my deck and my neighbor's out there and we go, I smell a bear. And he yells at me, oh, me too. Stay inside. <laughs> Keep the kids all inside. Um, <laughs> bears over there with a little teardrop going <laughs> inside of his face. <laughs> yeah. And then um, in the summer, like when we would have fat friends and family come and visit, one of the best things to do is just to drive them out to the river where we can watch the bears catching fish. And we can stay back a, a appropriate distance. We don't get right close to them. Um, but they're not, um, not hard to find, not impossible to find at all. If you want to see a bear, you can definitely come down and see a bear. It might take some driving around and trying to locate one. Um, this summer we had a really cool experience where we were on the beach and then there was a little baby bear that came walking down the river and all my kids got to see it, you know, pretty close. And then we had to like slowly walk back to the car. <laughs> <laughs> Alarmingly close. <laughs> <laughs> slowly walk back and they've really not bothered by us. I think that the bears that live in that part, they're not, no, they're not trying to eat people. They're just looking for dinner, um, not people dinner. <laughs> um, and it's just a really cool experience, I think, to watch when we have visitors and they get to see their first Kodiak bear. It's always exciting for them. Yeah, because, I mean, they're really strong, too. Because, I mean, you just said it, it ripped off, was it the tailgate of your truck? The bed. Of the, the bed. Truck. It cracked the frame. Like, the truck was total. Just <laughs> cracked the frame just because. <laughs> because. So um, they're definitely out there. Um, we try to coexist with them. Um, I think in other places they might try to, you know, take, take them out if they're, you know, in town and stuff. And we really give them every chance to just go back in the woods and to coexist here because the bears have really been here for a very, very long time. Um, and they're really, I think, precious to the people that live here. I think that they're some, they're not just something we take for granted. Um, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful animals. Just, you don't want to get too close. That's all. <laughs> well, I definitely understand that. I mean, up here in South Central, I mean, we see tons of black bears. Occasionally we'll see a big chunky brown bear running around, but Usually it's it's black bears, but um, I mean even that size you have to be careful. Because I mean we kind of we've gotten to the point where me personally not a good habit, but I'm starting to just think of them as stray dogs, and that's not the way to, to treat even a black bear because they're no. they're strong animals. You've got to keep an eye on them. Yeah. And so, yeah, and we have to take precautions too. Like when we go hiking, um, you you have to carry bear spray. You have to be loud. Take your dog so it'll bark and be loud. And the bears, the thing is you don't want to surprise them. Um, I think that's the only time people ever get hurt is when they surprise a bear or if you get between a mom and her cub. Um, we had a guy this last summer. It's not a normal thing, but we had a guy that was mauled. And um, what saved his life was that he had bear spray on him and that he was able to spray the bear and get away from her because he was running and he surprised her. And, um, he was just very, very lucky that he had that bear spray. And that's what he said. He said that bear spray saved his life. So definitely they have to respect them <laughs> and their power. <laughs> um, 
and just try to coexist. Yeah. And maybe understanding too, you're kind of living in their world once you're, uh, once you're in Kodiak. Like, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not going to care about nothing. They're bare. They're going to chew your face off if they feel like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it is their island. It was their island first. That's what people say here. Gotcha. Well, that's fascinating. So during Halloween, I know up in, oh, I know they changed the word, the name for it, but up in Barrow, um, I know like with um, the polar bears up there, they have to have like a perimeter around the town during Halloween to just make sure the polar bears don't come into town. And, um, try to find some nice little moving snacks one night out of the year. <laughs> do you guys have to do kind of a similar thing in Kodiak or is it just not that big of a concern there? Um, it's definitely a concern here. Our trick-or-treating typically takes place a lot earlier and we do something called like trick-or-treat downtown where the kids just all dress up and we go down to all the different businesses and they go around and everybody's down there together. And then there's a few neighborhoods that, um, like the nicer houses that are kind of closer together that we take our kids to go trick-or-treating at. Definitely checking out that bear uh, group that we have on Facebook um, before we go do anything like that. And we don't have like, let's keep them out of the town or something. It's just, it's more of a, we're not going to go trick-or-treating on certain streets where we know that they're likely to be. And we're not going to go outside and send our kids outside um, after 7 or 8 p.m. It's a little bit different in that. We just have to make those adjustments. <laughs> so kind of common sense stuff then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go near the bear. Got it. Yeah. Probably, and, um, and yeah. We teach our kids, you know, if you do encounter a bear, what to do and all that stuff I learned in like kindergarten, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming dressing up as a salmon is probably not that popular for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen that, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So what are, or what do you believe people are, or why do you believe people are attracted to, to living in Kodiak? Um, I think one is that it's just a slowed down lifestyle. Um, there's not as much pressure. There's not so much go, 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 go all the time. Um, it's a lot. It's a really close community. And we're very friendly people here. Um, I think it's like, I've heard people call it a utopia. Just everything, everybody's nice here. It's safe. I, I can let my kids go all over the place um, within reason, but they can walk to the store um, and I'm not worried about anything happening to them. Um, I think another reason people move here is they were kind of forced to at the Coast Guard and then they fall in love and stay here. A lot of times I think people come up here, maybe not of, of their own volition, but they end up falling in love with it because it is so beautiful here. Um, our scenery uh, is not common. It's not, I've been all over the country and this is the most beautiful place uh, with our oceans and our mountains and it's evergreen so it's green outside even in december everything's green out there it's not all white like up in anchorage or on the mainland um we get to live in alaska and live this independent lifestyle um and still be in a community but not a huge community you know we have one stoplight here there's no rush hour um a family that i just helped buy a house here um recently the guy said i'm saving two hours on my commute every day two hours that he was spending one hour to work each way um and now he has a literally a three minute drive to get to work every day it's it's all these little things and i think people just fall in love with it when they get here and then they stay um another reason i think people move here is to just be able to feel more independent. I think there's a lot of political stuff going on in our country right now. There's a lot of um, 
issues that we just do not have here in Kodiak. There's a lot of stuff that I can't even weigh in on as far as national news because I have no idea. We don't, I've never had these kind of experiences. Um, people here are generally accepting of one another. We're generally very kind to each other. And we don't have um, some of the conflict that happened, the crime, the conflict and the crime that happens um, in more populated areas. Right. Well, just because the accountability is just so much higher when you're in a, you're in a small town. Because when yeah. I said before, like, you don't wave to somebody. Like, yeah. you forget to wave at them. Like, that's a, that's a big deal. You're going to hear about that later. Like, imagine going and committing some kind of a crime because everyone's going to know you and you know that person that you committed yeah. that crime against. So, it's, it's and- very rare, I imagine. It's a lot lower crime rate here than most places. Um, And that's what goes back to that feeling safe. Um, And then also when bad things do happen, um, the community supports one. We support one another in a way that is very different than what I've seen in bigger cities. Now, what things I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, what things would you like to change about Kodiak if you could? Hmm. I would like them to have more, um, right, fast food, right? I don't always feel like cooking dinner. We used to have a Taco Bell. I'd like if they brought that back or a Pizza Hut. Like if I could order a pizza. <laughs> it's so funny things. sounding. It's funny sounding, but we have a McDonald's and we have a Subway, but that gets old really fast, right? Um, so more dining experience. Like we have a lot of um, seafood restaurants here. If that's your thing, this is a really great place to come. Um, but I think more of that. Um, more things for the kids to do inside in the wintertime. I know in Anchorage they have a lot of options for getting out and getting energy out. And here it's just, um, there's not really a lot for the kids to do besides outside things. Um, and we're really lucky that we have so much outside to do and I'm not complaining about that at all. Um, the other thing would be better access to like healthcare. Just, I think I travel a lot for, because I have six kids Um, And some of them have medical stuff and we have to go up to Anchorage to get medical care just because the population here isn't big enough to justify having any kind of specialists here. Um, And I think the other thing would be getting to the island if I could somehow make that easier. Um, Magically, we have one flight a day and that flies, Alaska Airlines flies in and out um, one time a day. And if weather is bad, that can get backed up real fast where we don't have flights for a couple days. Um, We have a ferry that comes from Homer. And so that's also an interesting experience just all on its own, um, getting here on the ferry. But it's really remote. And I think that's one thing I really love about it. But sometimes it can be frustrating when we don't have vegetables here because the weather was too rough and the the barge couldn't get in. Right now, the shelves at our grocery store are pretty empty uh, as far as produce goes. And so I would change that if I could (laughs) to be able to get fresh vegetables like I could when I lived in Texas for very little money, (laughs) I think is the one thing that I think is the craziest is the cost of our food here just because of logistics. Yeah, I can definitely see that because, I mean, any kind of island, it's it's going to be the same story. Like Hawaii, when visited it a little bit ago, yeah. and yeah, things, I mean, it's a city and it's still expensive there. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got the economy of scale and it's still pretty expensive there. Yeah. So that's, I think the biggest adjustment for people when they come here is they go to the grocery store and they say, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> Like eyes just get big as saucers. Yes. And it's like, yeah, welcome to Kodiak. <laughs> Hope you weren't planning on living off your West Texas wages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Outstanding. All right. Well, Katrina, I've got a couple more questions here. These are some of the most popular questions from the internet. So for all you people out there that are typing this in, we are going to get the authoritative answer for you right now. So number one, is Kodiak Island safe? Yes, to an extent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have really low crime here. But we have um, really dangerous waters, really dangerous mountains to be climbing sometimes. We have, we're out here in nature. And if you get hurt out here, getting medevaced up to Anchorage is a pretty long flight. Um, So it's safe within reason. If you take precautions, it's very safe. Um, It's definitely not somewhere you want to go adventuring like that guy that got he wanted to go live with the bears or something and they ate him. <laughs> so you want to hold on to reason. Um, but I just think overall it's safe and I think it's safer than a lot of places um, in civilization. As I call it, we don't have a lot of the crime that a lot of other people have to deal with. Good deal. So next question then, how cold does it get? I think if it gets down to the teens or the twenties, that's a really cold day for me. Um, it doesn't get super cold like you like up in the northern part of Alaska. Alaska is so big from north to south, and it's such a range of climates. Um, and so here we have that nice current that keeps us kind of warmer than everyone else. Perfect. Now, keep in mind, this is from the internet, so we're just going to roll with it. Are there snakes in Kodiak? No. Yeah. Really, people? (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't have snakes, and we don't have a lot of the bugs that exist other places either. We have mosquitoes and spiders, but not a whole lot of other bugs. I think that was a big thing for me when I moved to Texas, and I saw a um, a huge wasp for the first time. And I said, what is that? I'm going inside. <laughs> I, I couldn't handle the huge bugs down in Texas and the snakes down there too. That was kind of an interesting thing to see, but no Kodiak doesn't have any of that. We do yeah, have that's, that's, that's kind of the trade off you make. You get the bears, but you don't get, you don't get the <laughs> creepy crawlies. So that's nice. Yeah, the creepy crawlies. Yeah, man. I went to like North Carolina a little bit ago and I saw like a black bear and I saw a snake on the same day and I was like, man, you guys got nothing going for you here. <laughs> Just double dipping here. Okay. I see you in North Carolina. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. All right. Well, Katrina, um, do you have any any final words or any um recommendations you would make for people that would like to visit or are considering moving to to Kodiak? I say if you want to come visit, I would really recommend um, planning your trip uh, ahead of time, um, flying in or coming on the cruise ship, I think is a really fun way to visit. And I think just if you want a vacation that is nature-based and really explore some uninterrupted nature. Um, It's a great place to visit. If you'd like to move here, you can contact me. I have been selling real estate for a very long time here. Um, And I know all the neighborhoods and what the properties should sell for and what they, how, how how do I say that? How to make a wise purchase here. Um, And you can contact me, Katrina Benton, at kw.com. Okay. Outstanding. All right. Well, Katrina, I really do appreciate it. This has been um, an awesome interview. I really did enjoy this. Really what I'm hearing is that Kodiak is a, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's a small town atmosphere. And with that is going to come along a lot of the positives of being a small town. It's going to have a, a safer feel to it. Um, the bonds with the community is going to be much stronger. Crime is going to be much lower, but at the same time, you still do get the the benefits really of living in Alaska and just having the last frontier literally right outside your back door. So 
yeah, I really do appreciate it. This has been an awesome interview. Um, thank you for listening. We do have an episode. Um, next episode we're going to be doing is we're going to be interviewing the economist uh, from the state of Alaska and discussing what the economic outlook is for Alaska in the year 2021. So make sure to tune in for that. Um, if you haven't done so already, do make sure that you like and subscribe to this channel. Make sure you share it with all your friends. And if you haven't done so already, do make sure you follow me on YouTube at Alaska Realtor, which is Alaska's number one YouTube channel for real estate and follow us on Instagram as well. So thank you for listening and see you next time. Thank you.